It's the season finale of the All Time Podcast. Episode 10. 2010s. We albums brought, from the 2010s. We brought you 90 of the best hip hop albums of all time. We're giving you the last 10, and they're all from this decade. We're wrapping up the decade at the end of the year. These are 10 albums that um, had a big, big, big impact on the 2010s. Were praised, were well received, changed the game in some sort. Man, if you're talking about change the game, <laughs> wait till you hear what we have on this list. This really changed the game and this really impacted my life as well. Yeah, some of these are really good. Uh, before we jump in... Um, yeah, is there anything you want to talk about? Is there any... What have you been listening to lately? Nothing out of the list as usual. This this very morning, the Tom York album came out. So Is it good? It's interesting. It's uh, well, it's Tom York, so yeah, it's it's well done. But it's it's uh, after one listen, I liked it a lot. But I'm not gonna say more than that. I gotta listen to it more. Uh, I've been listening to one album. Mm. I don't even know if you can call it an album. It's seven songs only. Well, uh, somebody changed that. Uh, that's true. That's really true. Uh, Benny the Butcher, the plugs I met. Yeah, I hear good things. Uh, a lot of good things actually. Fuck. Yeah. Fuck. It, it, I don't understand how an MC could really wap, rap so well. Mm. It's like we speak about all these guys like from the 90s and the 2000s and even now going into 2010s, but man, this guy's fucking lyrical. I don't know much about him from what I know. It's more of the old school stuff. Like it's more of the underground kind of. Yeah, but like it's like a... If I need to compare it to something, yeah, I would compare it to like a Big L mm. mixed with like a Sean Price. Okay. I don't know if I don't know if that makes any sense, but like it's so gritty and grimy, and it just it just he flows so well. It's like I don't even think he's trying at some point. It's just so well, well done, done, and his his lyrics are done so well. So like definitely an album to go check out. Definitely. Top three right now for for this year. Um, other than that, I haven't been really listening to everything. I've been listening to a lot of these albums again to really to really see if they stood the test of time. And yeah, and crazy. the thing is, it's kind of hard because they didn't go through as much time as um, the other albums on the list. But it's crazy how you see how much diversity this uh, decade has. Um, it's crazy, huh? Yeah. The diversity that these these albums have, and also what they what they did for hip hop, yeah. And a lot of people say that the golden era happened, the two thousands happened, but I think people aren't really paying attention to what's happening right now for hip hop. Uh, interesting, you'd say that because I don't find that after the last album that made this list, that there are many albums that there has been many albums that came out that are worth paying much attention to. I feel like uh, maybe in the last couple of years, last year, hip hop was challenged. There was a couple of albums that came out that um, were done differently, were shorter in length. It was a big year last year. Let's be honest with each other. I found the, I found hip hop was a little weak last year. Oh, really? And I found that the good albums, well, my favorite albums last year, they're not on the list, so I think we could say it. Yeah. For me, it was uh, Earl Sweatshirt's Some Rap Songs and Pusha T's Daytona. Those were huge. They were fantastic records. They were short. They were nice and sweet, but... Um, I don't think they have the impact of these 10 albums that we 
put on this list. Oh, no, for sure not, because they would probably make our list. And Yeah, but if those two albums were the last two great ones, I feel like the f- like full-length albums in hip-hop are kind of lacking in the last couple of years, I find. Uh, last year, for me, was a huge year in hip-hop. I had the West Side Gun, Supreme, Blind Tell, the Benny the Butcher, Tana Talk 3, uh, the Vince Staples, FM. Short album again, though. Short album for sure, but like to somebody like me that listens to hip hop on a daily basis and only listens to hip hop, I was pleased with last year. I was really pleased with last year. Not the hugest names in hip hop came out with album, mm. but like the the names you want to hear, the names you want people to come out with albums for came out last year. So I was really impressed. It was hard for me to do a top ten, so that's why I did a top fifteen. Yeah. So uh, with that being said, I think we can jump in. Yeah, you this wanna... week we are, um, instead of doing the albums in uh, chronological, we're starting with the best album first. <laughs> we're uh, <laughs> the first album on the list this week. Stop lying. We're going chronological, uh, uh, as usual. First album on the list this week, kicked off the decade, late 2010. Huge. This album, man, Huge. there's so much we could say. We could do. I could probably do a whole episode on this album. It's my beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. Kanye West, 2010, November 22nd, 2010. I'm going to let you kick this off. Um, this album was, uh, there was a buildup with this album because the last album before this was 808s and Heartbreak. A huge change in his musical A huge path. change, and at the time... We're going to be honest, at the time, a letdown to many. Not everyone was on board. People were already starting. This the 808s was the first time people were saying he was insane. <laughs> it was the first time people were uh, un- um, didn't approve of his change. It's either you loved the album yeah. or fucking hated it completely. Yeah, but there's also... Uh, well, we're going to talk about this, but it's an album that... Uh, had had more of an impact after the fact. Yeah, big time. Because today people will say it's great. Yeah. So ah. this album is 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 uh, there's a lot of hype to this album, and what he does leading up to the album release is a series of Good Friday releases. So every Friday he drops songs. Um, amongst those songs, Monster. You get So Appalled. You get the Power remix. Power was already stated that it would be the first single off the album. Mm-hmm. But then Monster was released as a Good Friday single. You had So Appalled. You had uh, Christian Dior Denim Flow, I believe it's called. You had a bunch of great, solid songs that were coming out. Christmas in Harlem, too. It, uh, that was later, though, because yeah. that came out for Christmas, so it was after the album. But you had a, a series of songs that were coming out, and they had a lot of guests. You had, I think, uh, the Runaway Love yeah, remix with, uh, with Raekwon and, and Justin Bieber. Bieber, which is a phenomenal song. And what people were... Uh, what, uh, what, what, so it was speculated that this, that songs like Monsters So Appalled wouldn't be on this album. Yeah, it's true. And uh, later on, uh, well, Kanye was also going around uh, for, the I guess, the press kit for this album. He was performing songs a cappella at certain like uh, conferences and stuff, like he did Christian Dior and Flo. He was, he was trying to already start to reinvent what he was up to. Yeah, he also did a freestyle... Uh, I don't know if it was for the first song on the album or the second song for the Ice-T uh, documentary. Right. Yeah. So 
anyways, all these songs are coming out. Finally, a track list comes out. Uh, Monster is on the track list. Soul Paul is on the track list. I remember seeing that for the first time and feeling like, no, this is going to botch because you told us these weren't going to be on the record and now you are uh, going to pick up songs that didn't belong here and cramming them on because people people really liked those songs when they came out. People freaked out at the monster verse yeah. that Nikki had, which was incredible. So anyways, tracklist comes out. It's a little um, concerning to, to me. It was a bit concerning. And then it's announced that, which is something a lot of people don't say, then it's announced that there's going to be a visual to the album. <laughs> so he had the first, maybe not the first, but one of the earliest visual albums, a, a, a video that accompanied the entire album. Not every song in full, but it was like kind of structured. And um, again, it was, a, it was something different. It was something that was a little frowned upon. And people said, you know what? After 808s, could we really... Could we really go for this? Could we really believe in this, you know? Album comes out. Late November. I remember that day like it was yesterday, to be honest with you. And the, fir the, the first kind of early reviews were pretty much the average Kanye review. The fours, the, the, you know? And then you're getting 10 on 10s, 5 stars. Like instant classic. Magnum Opus. <laughs> and could we deny? Could we deny that it is? There are people that will argue that it's overrated. There are people that will argue that... I mean, look, could we deny that this is... This is the, this is the Kanye album. This is the Kanye album, for sure. 110%. You mind if I jump in real quick? Go for it. So the... So the first time I, f I, I found out about this album, I was working at HMV, right? So it came out. I was following the buildup. I was seeing always on MTV the power. Remember that commercial? Yeah. It was just like the first, like, what? Yeah. One minute of him just, yeah. And I was like, you know what? Compared to what I was hearing on 808, mm. this sounds really good. Now, it took me a while to get into Because it was back to the hip hop, yeah. right? Because I was still Back in the, to the more rap yeah, stuff. I was still in the underground hip hop there. So when I heard that, I was like, okay, this is cool. This is gonna be different. So the album came out. There was the big push at the beginning. The different things he was doing that nobody did in hip hop. The album came out, and I saw the track list, and I was like, what the fuck? And you know why I said what the fuck? Because I saw Raekwon, yeah, as a featuring on the second song with Kid Cudi. So to myself, I said. Everyone's freaking out about this. It's like the coming of Christ again. It's the biggest thing ever. I remember people coming to HMV when I was working, taking pictures, buying three, four copies of it. Like they were making a big deal out of this. And I said, you know what? If this guy had to go get Raekwon and Raekwon accepted to be on a song with Kanye West, I need to go listen to this. And the first half of the album to me, I was like, wow. Like... What am I listening to? Mm -hmm. And when the first time I heard Gorgeous with Raekwon, I was like, okay, I, 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 I get what's going on. And the song sounds way different than any other song on the album. I don't know if you noticed that. The fuzzy, 
in the song when you listen to it. Yeah, it a bit of a tribute to what I said about his production on the Blueprint okay. last week. And even when Raekwon comes in on the song, it's like, <laughs> it's like Raekwon's voice is even way fuzzier. It feels like he recorded outside. Mm-hmm. And it sounds so different in the Kanye bars and the, how Kanye recorded his verse. Mm-hmm. And then I continued and I continued and, you know, those monsters, all the lights, that's the big commercial successful song on the album. And not even that commercial, though, because, I mean, it couldn't, it wasn't even a radio hit. It was meant to be and it was kind of guided as the radio single yeah. and radio didn't want it. So there was that monster, the Rick Ross, the way he opens up the song. Introducing. Intr- introducing, the, the it kind of introduces how Kanye does the samples. So appalled, Swiss Beats, Pusha T, and RZA. So you know me, I'm a huge Wu-Tang fan. So there's already two guys on this that's from Wu-Tang. So it made me jump in more. You also, you also forget RZA produces the first track. Exactly. Which the is... The opening track, Dark Fantasy. So, this, so Kanye is going... He's, he's, he's steering away from the 808 sound and going back into like that hip-hop, hip-hop sound using these hip-hop people, mm-hmm. uh, working with different producers. He's adding his touch, but it, he added his Kanye touch to the RZA production. He added his touch to the Swiss Beats production. Yeah, one of the interesting stuff, one of the interesting things I found was that when you looked at this, um, when you listened, sorry, not looked at it, but when you listened to the album, um, the writing credits that are on this album are like significantly... There's a, it, it's very rock oriented and as, a, as somebody who was as I repeat myself in, it, it was always more uh, instrument driven when it came to music you get the King Crimson sample on power you get Elton John on all of the lights giving vocals uh, Bon Iver, Justin Vernon having a, having a vocal part on Monster and Lost in the World was always like... It, it, Lost in the World was a, 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 a Bon Iver track from the Blood Bank EP, which is vocals. Um, Manfred Mann's being sampled. Like, Carol King, like, the, like rock icons. And their music is being... Black Sabbath is credited as, as songwriters on Hell of a Life. It's, it's so rock inspired this album and probably one of the first commercial hip-hop albums to go that length of going to get deeper i guess inspirations deeper i yeah just go get sounds that people weren't using in the 2000s that's crazy and that's great and and like when you look at like even the monologue at the end by gil scott heron who who i think died shortly before shortly after but um he put a lot of people on to artists and things that they were not necessarily familiar with with this album. But look at the production credits. Mike Dean, No ID, RZA. It's like he put these guys... And, and of course him being yeah. always on top of it. But yeah, it's, it's... Yeah. But the production value... The production value is insane. On this album, mm-hmm. and when you listen to it, do you find that you're 
like when I listen to this, I find like I'm more into it because of the way he the way he puts his he for puts sure, the songs sure. together, the way his production is made. Like each song doesn't like the way he produced those songs. They don't. It, it seems like he used different things each song. Can I tell you something that a lot of people won't say about this album? And I'm not. I mean, nobody's sure unless you ask him. Kanye's known to be this guy who's super organized and always has the idea, and it all shapes. You know, he all put, he puts it all together. I feel like this album was an accident. Yeah, and I've always felt that way, because those two tracks again, "Monster So Appalled," get tossed into the middle of the album from not needing to be there, mm-hmm. according to him. Like you said, that gorgeous, it's raspy, it's rough, yeah. it's not clean. It sticks out on the album as a song that maybe wasn't meant to be there. I think this album was a... a com- okay, Dark Fantasy is the intro and the outro is organized in Lost in the World Who Will Survive in America, but everything in between, I don't know. Something to me sounds like this could have been a complete accident. Yeah. No, I see where you're going with that. And just the sound of it, it's like... Let's say he brought Gorgeous to the radio or he brought Gorgeous and be like, this is my single. People that told him, you're out of your fucking, you're out of your fucking mind. It's not clean. It's, what are you doing? But he did something so, like, he started something else when he came out with this. To kick off the 2010s, he started something else. He made people change up their style, made people do things that they weren't accustomed to doing. He made MCs be different. So when you come out with an album in 2010 like this, everybody starts following. But this is the thing with this album. I feel you said a word. You said MC. This is beyond that. Yeah. This is like really like I am I am the rapper. I'm the artist. I'm the performer. But I'm also in charge of everything behind the scenes. Step out of the box. Step out of the box. But it's not everyone that has the ability to do that either. But you know what at, I'm saying? But look at from 808s coming out to... My beautiful dark and what happened after this? Yeah, it just it, it took it, off. It took off and it was, and like this album inspired so many of the new of MCs. Of course, so many of the new MCs. This was supposed to be good ass job. When really? It, when, yeah, this was announced. Well, announced. It was rumored, heavily rumored, to be good ass job. It wasn't, and it came like it came a good three years after 808s, two three years after. So people were really like. When is this good ass job coming? We've been let down. It felt like longer because people were let down, and good ass job was supposed to follow up the graduation, as in like round up that series of things. When this came out, people like it was a shock to people, and the weirdest people were saying how like it. This put Kanye West onto all the all the indie kids. All the like it it really went beyond hip-hop with this album this album is responsible for people listening for a lot of people listening to hip-hop that did that didn't used to it took me a while to get into it i'll be honest he's he jump-started back well i don't want to say it that way because it sounds like shit but he put pusha t on the map he put it he did he gave him his recognition that he needed for pusha t to get yeah look at rick ross this to me is Rick Ross. I know <laughs> Ross's catalog because we like the Rick Ross catalog and we like some of the albums that people didn't like. God forgives. This is Ro- like this is one of Ross's finest verses ever, 
ever. Even that Nikki verse on Monster, it's praised as as like the, the Nikki verse on Monster. Man, it's good. That verse is good. Yeah. The worst verses, <laughs> if we're gonna do that, are Monster and Soul Pauled. Jay Z's verse. This is Jay Z at his at his lowest. His lowest, and they're so low that <laughs> they could almost bring the album from a ten to a nine. But you gain those points back when you think like, yeah, Kanye really couldn't tell his favorite rapper like, yeah, the verses sucked. Could you redo that? I don't know what he, what Jay Z <laughs> mentally and and he doesn't write his shit down, Jay Z. So when yeah, he went shit. in the booth, I have no idea what he was doing. Uh, no idea, but that, just getting back to that Rick. Just before you go there, this was this was Jay Z like in a in an off period, yeah, though, right. Yeah. Like it was between American Gangster and uh, and Magna Carta. No, um, Blueprint Three. Yes, or, was, or was it right before Blue? Right after Blueprint Three? I have no idea, but it he was, was trying to like find a weird point of his career, trying to find the sound again, right. Re- reinvent his career because he reinvented his career with American Gangster. But see, it took him a minute, but he did reinvent his yeah. career in a way. But that Rick Ross verse, and the way he comes onto the song so weird, because after Kanye's verse, there's like an interlude. There's an interlude, but and you have no idea what's gonna happen, and then he just jumps in like at the most awkward moment. Yeah, like before the beat's fully built back up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's right in the middle of the album. Yeah. So it sets off the yeah, rest of the album. It's it, it's crazy, man. This album did so much for hip hop. So much for hip hop. Runaway, how about that, man? Like that fucking keynote, huh? I'm I'm down to say that Runaway is the best song in in music for the 2010s, in all music. Fuck. I, I Runaway is is. Yeah. Well, we could argue later on about the best song, but yeah, no, no but fine. I know where you're coming from with that, and I and like. I'm not taking it away from you because... It's also a different side of yes. Kanye that, okay, we got the 808s, but 808s was like a like corny, you know? Yeah. Uh, Runaway was perfected. Yo, he's changing up his sound all the time. We're like, we're yeah. 808s, we can't shit on. This, we can't shit on. No. We can't shit on anything. He's changing but up his sound. But you know what my favorite thing about Kanye is, though? And, and this is the thing with artists... We said it early in the seasons. You get a lot of artists that... We said it, I think, during the Wu-Tang episode. But we say a lot how artists, like, they take their best album and they put part two to try and get... This guy never chases the second thing. No. The same thing twice. He's always, like, ready. And and you know what? If He's not too worried about if it'll be his best album ever. No, I think he just... Every time he puts out a project, to him, it's his best work. I don't even think. No, I don't even think he. I, don't I think find he in his brain the way he works. It's like, oh, this is the best. No, I think he. I I think he just does it, and then whatever comes of it comes of it. People jump on that. People eat this shit up like, best or not. He does. He has no worry for that. He has no worry for that. He kicked off the 2010s in probably one of the best ways possible for hip hop and for what's ahead. I think we could. This was look. We said that Outcast Sanconia was the changed the way we listen to full bodies of work. This album really set a a gold standard for the way you put an album together in hip hop. And if this album never came out, we wouldn't have the other albums on no. this list because people would keep trying to do that two thousands club banging, couple of singles, couple of fillers. This set up 
this this allowed hip hop artists to experiment be musical do Take, get get out yes. of the box do musical Master things your craft. exactly and that's why i love the 2010s because of shit like this that we're listening to it's so different and like we said we put the albums on the, this week's episode in order of greatness <laughs> so the second best album on the list is uh can i say it no you say it. i want you know what i want you to introduce it um so the second <laughs> album on this list um uh, 2011 one year after my beautiful dark at the same time really it's crazy uh drake take care go one of your best one of the best ones on the list right <laughs> the one i forced you to put on yeah, the list you're, you're dying to no look i know you don't like this i know you don't like this album and i know a lot of people would argue that this shouldn't be here the truth is drake is the most colossal rapper right now of this decade and i'm and I'm gonna agree with that yeah. for sure. Yeah. Um, that's something I'm never gonna take away from this guy. Okay. He's he's next level yeah. up top. He's, up he's top. surpassed he's, he's Kanye. Everyone. He's surpassed Kanye. Right. So there's that Kanye, and then there's that Drake level now. Okay. So in order to create a list of your best 100 albums in hip hop, you have to acknowledge that at a time where music is being skipped over, people are moving on to the next very quick that there is this type of figure and it's a hip hop artist and he's not even from and I'm not going on to this he's not even from the country that most hip hop comes from at all no he's an NBA champion and he is I like how you said he's an NBA he's champion an NBA, when he look, didn't he's play the only rapper, the game. he's the only rapper that is also an NBA champion and No, look, it, look it, 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 the only way to do this is say he's that big of an artist. He's reached heights that no other artist has reached. At all. I, I agree. I agree. So what is the best body of work? Something did this for him to get there. And with you pushing Drake on me and telling me yeah. to go listen to his albums, and I've listened to this album fully twice. I and know you tried, yes. I know I, you tried. I tried. I, I, I gave it my all. I sat there. Uh, I listened, I went in, I tried to understand. I did, a, I did a bunch of shit, okay? And at the end of the day, and it's not me just trying to be a hater. I'm not trying to be a hater at all. It's just not for me. I understand about it being on the list and you pushing for it because, again, in the 2010s, we saw different changes in music, mm -hmm. okay? You'll bring up those points for sure regarding this album. Yeah. For me... It could be, I don't get it. I don't understand it. And we, we, we've talked about this many times before. I find it corny and cheesy. I find it, when I listen to this, I feel embarrassed. But I feel embarrassed that I'm listening to an artist like that. And it could be the way he is on the songs. The way he presents himself mm -hmm. on the song the way he goes into the singing into the rapping now the the one cool thing is that there's not many rapper singers right in hip-hop i can name no, you i, mean, I can name you a good five at most of, kanye uh, uh rapper big poo 
uh, from Little you, Brother, but, yeah, but, Fonte. Uh, who else can I name? There's there's a bunch of other ones I can name too, but like those were the the Frank could do it, but he's not a rapper. Yeah, Frank could do it, uh, but like the influence. Tyler could do it. Yeah, you could see where he's getting his influence from, and you could have seen that in the earlier mixtapes too, because he did songs with Little Brother. Uh, he he's he's held Kanye West before the beef and all the bullshit mm-hmm. at a high level, and I think because of albums like 808s and because of albums like My Beautiful Dark, it it made it okay for Drake to do this. I think that's exactly what I wanted to say, but you you, you allowed me to say it. 808s, people were disappointed, but he perfected 808s and Heartbreak with this album. He took that singing, that, that, that smooth R&B, he put it into a body of work with rap songs, And if you're a fan of Drake's music, it's a cohesive body of work. It's not a pain to listen to. The first six songs off the album, Over My Dead Body, Shot For Me, the two opening tracks are straight up pretty much pop and singing. Headlines was the rap single, let's say. Crew Love with The Weeknd, he's rapping, but it's an R&B song. Take Care with Rihanna, another radio hit. And then Marvin's Room. Like the classic Drake R and B singer says his track. Like when you go through that first bit of that first chunk of album, there's not much rap there. The rap comes in the middle with "We'll Be Fine," "Underground Kings," "Make Me Proud," "Lord Knows," with Ross again. Uh, Underground Kings, a homage to uh, U2K. U2K. That's where the rapping comes. Fuck, it's long this album. <laughs> and then you get to the bottom part of the album, "Cameras," straight tribute to Wayne. In the vocal tone that he's using. Doing it wrong again, back to the singing. You know, towards the end, there's a bit more singing again, but there's those rap songs that keep coming back. Hell yeah, fucking right. The ride, how it ends it. There's always a way that he plays with the two Drakes. Okay? And it's fine for him to do that. You know what I mean? He's been allowed to do that. And I think that's what stands out. And that's why people love him, is because he could do a bit of both. Exactly. Okay. The other thing that you have to notice when you look at this album is that the rappers we listen to, the Rick Rosses, the Futures, the whatever it is, okay. We still listen to Future? Okay, continue. <laughs> we, don't, we don't relate to this. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. And this is part of the success he's had, is reaching a demographic that could relate to him. I can't relate to Migos. Oh, for sure. I, lyrically speaking here the music is fantastic it's fun to listen to there's a purpose for that music but nobody's giving in hip hop nobody's giving you something or giving everybody something to relate to we're going to talk about what well, we spoke about Kendrick and Good Kid he gave people from Compton something to relate to and people on the outside a visual of what goes on here mm-hmm. Drake is allowing everyone to relate to him because of the subject matter But yes because he reduces himself he doesn't need to play a part for you he doesn't need to put himself above he tells you about his insecurities he tells you about his weaknesses nobody's ever doing this in hip-hop do you find his sound repetitive i and find ha- it's gotten repetitive and, and to where we are now versus take care where it's it's like it's 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 stale to a point where it's like 
It's like, okay, you know what are you going to do something different? You know what's gotten repetitive? Honestly speaking, the rap songs have gotten repetitive. So His you ra- rap songs are repetitive. So you'd rather see him as a... Yes. That's fair. That's fair. When he won his NBA championship uh, a couple of weeks ago, he released the two singles. The one with Ross and... The one as an NBA champion. <laughs> and he... Um, those songs are not interesting to say. Like They, they are so bland... So empty. There's nothing there. Well, he's gotten empty since... Well, Scorpion was pretty empty. Like, the rap songs on Scorpion, everyone's freaking out that he brings in Jay-Z for a feature. You hear that song? Yeah, it's not good. I heard it. Man. Like, that's where it gets repetitive for Drake. If you listen to the good songs of Scorpion, a lot of them are the more R&B-driven songs. If you listen to More Life, More Life was interesting because he played with Caribbean beats. He was playing with different sounds. The R and B sounds were different. He had that J Lo track that he redid. Those. That's where he's still interesting. But his rap songs. If you look at this headlines, make me proud. Same song to me. Th- those are the weak points of the album. It's 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 those. It's when yeah, his rap songs are they're overdone now. Too. Look, I'm not gonna. I'm not here to bash Drake on this episode. Wait before you go. Yeah. Nothing was the same. Was his peak of rapping. And the production. And production. And the mixtape was good. If you're reading this too late, it was very good. But it had some of the R&B stuff too. But this is still his best body of work. I'm not here to bash Drake. I'm not going to fucking spend 20 minutes on telling you how much I hate him. Right now, where Drake is at in his career, whatever he puts out, no matter if it's bad or good, people are going to love it. it yeah. Right? Like Kanye. He, exactly. He could put out an album so shit. That, but even the one before that, was it? Uh, oh, yeah, Views. Like, let's, we're going to be honest. Like, it's shit. But, uh, but people. People eat it up. But, and, and that's the type of artist he is now. He is that yeah, top 40, for sure. uh, the top 10 billboard, all that stuff. He's all over the place. Of course. And he's become that artist that no matter what his sound is, yeah. people are going to love it. Just to make a point on views, though, because I know you're not a fan and you, pro- and you won't go back to it. And I mean, nobody needs to hear views again. But it did sound better after hearing how bad Scorpion was. And I'm not, I'm not oh, trying to it. rip yeah, on yeah. it. But when Scorpion came out, it was kind of like, oh, this isn't so bad anymore. And More Life was good, was a good in-between. Good, not great, good. Very good playlist, whatever the fuck it was. But when Scorpion came out, double disc, tons of filler, you go back to views and you're kind of like, okay, maybe we were just expecting another notch after the mixtape. Anyways, Drake, take care. It's a good, I I think it's very deserving to be on the list and he's earned his spot in hip-hop. It doesn't need to be everyone's thing. It doesn't, and people are going to be no, but I get where you were coming from with this. And I didn't want to try and remove it off the list or argue with you about it. It's just that my opinion for this album, yeah, for course. this artist, for sure. and the way I feel is just like I get pushed on Drake and stuff like that. It's just that it's not for me. You know I like that tough guy rap. You know I, you know the type yeah. of hip-hop I like. And I like when rappers like Pusha T bash on him because you know I'm for the emceeing, right? You know I'm, I, I like the lyrical... Yeah. Uh, but battle on the lyrical I think shit. my argument with you has always been that how would you listen to a Frank Ocean album 
or a Justin Timberlake album and not approach something like Take Care the same way. Yes, there's rapping on it, so it makes it that bit more rap. So you're looking at that rap side and saying, well, as a rapper, he doesn't compare to the rest. But the whole part of the deal is that there's more involved here. I find the difference between those artists, and this is me, mm. versus Drake is that they're more consistent with their work. And they're more consistent with their album structure. They also don't release albums every two years, though. That too. So it, it the music is more steady. It's more like diverse, and it attracts me more to it. Okay. You get what I'm saying? Because it's completely out of rap, you approach it different, entirely different. Yeah, I get it. Speaking of rap, rap music, album number three of the 2010s on our list. Bang! I'm excited for this. Killer Mike. Rap music 2012. Yeah. Um, the first time he collaborates with LP, probably a test run before Run the Jewels <laughs> takes off. So I listened to Killer Mike before he came out with this album, yeah. which we all did because of Outkast, Dungeon Family. And I had, I would say, two or three of his albums before this came out. Mm-hmm. Pledge 3, that was, I really enjoyed. Great album, man. Uh, so the first time I see him, like, okay, Killer Mike's coming out with a new album exciting produced entirely by lp yep now you know me and you know that lp ran basically 2006 to 2009 for the underground hip-hop for me and all the stuff he did with cage all the stuff he did with weatherman aesop rock mr lift the mers all these all these guys so lp was lp's uh, second album was one of the first hip-hop albums i ever bought because there was a track with the mars volta on it Crazy. Crazy. I remember that. So when you, yeah, a guy that really stepped out, being part of the underground, I guess you did it more, but yeah, Yeah. stepped out of the box. So I'm looking at this, I'm like, Killer Mike from the South, you know what his sound is. He still was very political, very out there as an MC, gave you that Ice Cube type of, I don't give a fuck vibe, I'm going to talk about what I want to talk about, even though I'm from the South. Yeah. And went to his... I wouldn't say club bangers, but very like, you know, you could play the songs in the club. He, 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 he had Young Jeezy, he had Gucci Mane, he had all these guys as featuring. Mm-hmm. So I'm just like, okay, hold on a second. How am I going to, how am I going to be able to listen to this, this guy from the South, Killer Mike, and LP, Underground, New York, the fucking beats are totally different than what you're used to. Mm-hmm. totally out there plays with different sounds you have that electro that uh drum and bass type sound in it i'm like fuck it let's do it let's do it but i have no idea what i'm going into zero and the first time i listened to it i was like what the fuck am i listening to that's the way that first track just kicks you but <laughs> you don't <laughs> Steve, you don't expect it. You have you don't expect no, it. No. <laughs> no, I remember I remember when this album came out and you were excited about it. I had gotten a bit excited about it because it was LP. You kept asking me if I was gonna buy it, if I was gonna buy it, and I think it came out like when we were working like twenty five bucks. Yep. And it came out and I was like, twenty five bucks, like it's insane to buy this album for twenty five bucks. 
it is insane to buy this album <laughs> for 25 bucks. Didn't listen to it. And like, it took me half a listen. I'd buy it twice at 25 bucks today. We would. I did buy it at 25 bucks. We would talk about this album a lot in text messages. When I would listen to that, I would text you. When you would listen to it, you would text me. We, at one point, you li- loved this album yeah. way more than I did. This was in my top three, I think, of this year. It this is, was the same year as Channel Orange, I think, right? Uh, it, was my, it was very up there. I was, I was, I remember that year I was listening to, I was kind of late on Section 80. No, because I was listening to Section 80. Yeah. And this, and then Good Kid came out. Because Good Kid came out in October. But it's the same year. Yeah, same year. So I was still, I was still on the Section 80 waiting for Good Kid. And then Good Kid came after this and I was listening to Section 80, rap music, Section 80, rap music, Section 80, rap music, and what I was hearing, I was just like, I, he's reinventing himself. LP is working with a different artist than what he's used to. And it sounds so well done. Let's be honest again, this was an accident. Run the Jewels was an accident. Fuck. And they'd probably be the first to tell you like, well, like he says, and he says it a couple of times, this was highly unlikely. Who the fuck gave it a five on ten? Enemy. NME? British. Let it be. Let it be. But But look, this was a to- this was totally two artists. One from the underground. And Killer Mike, who was always within the mainstream but never piercing, right? And this was really their way of saying, like, what the heck? Like, worst that could happen, nobody listens to us again, right? The critics were saying this is like Ice Cube's death certificate. This album is in this this <laughs> album is insane. It is cr- like this, I don't even care to say this to me, but this is my favorite Run the Jewels album. Yeah, you're like, right. F- can we be real here? Like I get I get what I get Run the Jewels, but this is my favorite Run the Jewels album. The political and it's not because of it's not because LP is a bad MC or anything. The work that came into oh, this, fuck. the birth of Run the Jewels, is this album. Like this is. Run the Jewels would not have existed if this album, if they did not work together. Yes, and the other thing that's very important about this album is that LP is very much his own producer. For people that don't know LP's previous stuff, if you go here, Fantastic Damage, and I'll I'll sleep uh, when you're dead. Yeah, and Cancer for Cure that came out after, after this. this. Yeah, but you kind of get the idea of what LP does. Yeah. That's the type of sound that he makes. When you listen to this album, it's LP saying like, okay, this is what I do, but I'm also working with this Southern guy. Yeah. So what could I do to meet us half? Like, where could I meet him halfway? <laughs> Southern fried. <laughs> Man, uh, JoJo's chilling. It, like the storytelling on that. I remember tweeting Killer Mike. Yeah. About a lyric in JoJo's chilling and he answered me. Uh, ghetto gospel butane. Yeah, this. Yeah. Like w- when M- when Willie the MC Sherwood, uh, that second to last track, Willie Berkshire would. Fuck. But butane championships anthem, champions anthem. Sorry, when LP comes on, M- LP the MC comes on, mm. and you hear for the first time these two guys going back at it. Mm. I was just like, what? What's gonna like ha- yeah. like. 
what the fuck? Did it feel like you were watching a preview? I didn't feel like I didn't think anything more was going to come like, of it. In my head, I was just like, imagine these guys do something. Like, imagine, like, because then LP came out with Cancer for Cure. and Killer it was, Mike was back on it. Yeah, but the beats were different. It was very dark, Cancer for Cure. Yeah. Okay, because it was a big tribute to Camuteo. And I was just like, wow. But I'm surprised that you would say that on Butane, because when I heard it, to me, it was like, okay, LP's on it. But I was a bit like... Like, I was still like, wow, like, this track bangs, like, it's it's not. But never would I think they could get together and make this a thing. It's more of a wish. It's more of a wish list. Let's see what else can come out I of this. I wouldn't have two. even thought. See, like, it's I, I, I never even thought that. To me, it was still like, okay, it's once. Did I think Run the Jewels was going to come out? Absolutely not. But it was Did you like. Did you would come out with three albums? No. And working on a fourth. It's crazy, man. And with Ruben now, too, no? Yeah, that fuck. It's, it's, it's huge now. It's not even. But when people hold an album like this up to death certificate, mm. uh, they said about Fear of Black Planet from fucking Public Enemy. They were holding it up to the same experience, the same sound, but just way more 2010s. I was just like, they're right. The critics have it right. And Killer Mike did a great job. Political views. This album really helped him... The storytelling. Give him, yeah, and give him his career. I mean, stepping out of the box, he the box, it. and doing something totally different to the sound he's accustomed to. Yeah. Even though he was already diverse. Yeah, very well deserved. I mean, man, you really. It took him a minute to to get to the height that he deserves to be at, but very well deserved. And rap music is incredible record. Look at the diverse music. <laughs> That we're talking about in the three albums. I know. I'm looking at this next album now. I'm going to let you do it because uh, we're going completely another way now, another direction now. Not at this this album. A lot of people would say, what the hell are they doing? Putting this on the list. Can I, I say something before I jump into it? Depends what? I'm not going to say anything. Oh, fuck. It's only 46 minutes and 30 seconds. To me... This album, and you know where I put it when it came out on my list. It was number one that year, 2014. It was number one. My Crazy Life YG. We spoke about the game rebirthing the West, bringing it, putting it back on the map, putting Compton back on the map. Kendrick Lamar, putting it back on the map, but very differently from the game. So you, you want that gangster rap. You want that that aggressive, very gang-banging type. Talking about things that Kendrick Lamar isn't talking about to a certain extent. And then you put out, and you put out a body of work like this. And people could, people could be deaf. People could say this shouldn't be on a list. You can't say people. You can't say that, though. You can't say people could be deaf. It is not a song that people would consider. It is not an album that people would consider putting on the best 100 hip hop albums of all time. I wouldn't have. Like you wouldn't have on Drake. I love this record, by the way. I'm not saying. I'm saying when you're talking about the top 100, you're talking about. Like. I'm, I'm going to stand by the fact that it just didn't only reinvent that gangster rap for from the West and from Compton, but it also brought that that e40 type sound to the to more to the west and it was like a mixture yeah. dj mustard 
what mm-hmm. he did with his beats is he took like that DJ Quick, Dog Pound, those sounds and mixed it in super well. Well, you just said the name DJ Quick. So I want to ask you, is YG finishing DJ Quick's work? Is he allowing it to be put out to the main? Because to me, YG is like a second coming of Quick. I'm going to agree with you. I know Quick was more like hands-on with the beats and stuff. He's got mustard behind him all the time. But that sound that they're bringing back, that kind of like that vibe, that party vibe, like it's it's Quick. That hyphy, yeah, and that hyphy type E40 sound, uh, that sugar-free type sound. Yeah. It, it's it's coming back, and it's so 2010s era. Mm-hmm. And the, the album is diverse as well. You start off super strong. It is. And then you, you go back into the storytelling. Like he's telling you how he grew up in Compton, what he was doing, robbing people. <laughs> Like just, I just find it such a great body of work because of the way the album is put together. Now, his stuff after that, still brazy, great album. I find he lost now to where he is now. He lost a bit of the structure in his albums. Well, because it's often the same thing. Yeah. Right. First of all, this album was not supposed to be called My Crazy Life. It was supposed to be called My Brazy Life. Yeah. Uh, the label wanted nothing to do with it being called that because of gang affiliation and him right. being a blood and all that stuff. So why by the second album was it called? <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> you gave up on him? Yeah, I guess they just said do whatever the <laughs> fuck you want. Because of... I don't think people thought this album was going to be great. I, I think people were going to say it was just going to be another... Oh, this is what the sound is now. I think this was going to fall under like the Yo Gotti. Yes. Remember like those like they're very good albums of the year, but they never quite get yeah. mentioned more than that. But I think this, that's what this was expected. But to this be. was well structured. The way yeah. the album was put together was well structured. And he kind of took that. That Kendrick Lamar, Good Kid, Mad City, but made it way more violent, way more gang affiliated. You know what he did? You want to see if you want to say it in history repeating itself? Go. If Good Kid Mad City was the chronic, this was doggy style. Yep. Because it's just that good vibe, like it's upbeat, it's catchy. It's, it's fun. It's, it's fun. exactly that 20 years later. To me, what's crazy is how the beats at the beginning sound a certain style and more towards the end change up, become more funky, become more that dog pound uh, G-funk type of sound where he's playing around with different sounds where he's becoming not we're not going to say he's the most lyrical rapper of all time but he channels his more lyrical YG yeah with Who Do You Love Really Be Smoking and Drinking featuring Kendrick Lamar 1am why didn't you say he was featuring on Who Do You Love but you say Kendrick Lamar sorry Sorry. we're talking about the 2010s Who Do You Love is featuring Drake NBA champion uh, <laughs> this album is so well done. I, there's, to me, when you know how much I love the West Coast, you know how much I love the West Coast sound and all the, those different beats and the way it's funky and, and mm. shit like that. To me, this that that place in my heart that I needed to be filled filled it in for me. That sound I wanted to hear 
filled it in for me. And he did it again with still Brazy. And at points, I don't know which one I like more, but I know that this one's way more structured and way more storytelling, and it, it paints a picture for me, a Compton picture, which I love. So I'm going to go with this one in my top 100, and there's no way I would take this out. Srivan, next. Next up on the list, we're going to take it back to the album before YG with Killer Mike, having done rap <laughs> music produced entirely by LP. In 2013, they release Run the Jewels, their uh, debut album as a duo. Which they tried it together. They tried it together. They gave it a, Yeah, they gave it a good run. Uh, you had a nice feature by Big Boy on there from uh, the uh, greatest rap group of all time, according <laughs> to the All Time Podcast, uh, with a feature on Banana Clipper. So this is the first time that they're like, okay, we did rap music. Let's make an album together. It fucking worked. Let's, let's rap let's together. And uh, comes out really strong. Fantastic debut album. Yeah. But it's not the one on the list. It's because not the anyone list. who's been following knows that when Run the Jewels 2 came out, and they saw a track list that featured Zach De La Rocha <laughs> from, from Rage Against the Machine and Travis Barker. You kind of were like, what the hell are they going to do now? Like, this is going exactly. to die out real quick. And finally, no. They blew it right out of the water again. I found that this was just like, you know when you get two guys together and like, let's try this out. Let's see what happens with this. And yeah. then they get accustomed to each other and they know what each wants from one another. And it's more of like, just like the way we are with the all-time podcast. We're, we could go back and forth now. It's, it's, it's easy for us. It's fun for us. Mm. We feed off each other. Mob Deep did it with their second album. Gangstar started doing it with their second album. You know what? A Tribe Called Quest, their first album, fantastic, but... See what they did with Low End Theory yeah. and what they did with Midnight Marauders. For sure. It's the same thing with these guys. They just fucking exploded with this album. Pause. They went next level. Um, yeah, I mean, really, uh, their most solid body of work, I'd say. I love how each track falls into the next. It kind of, it kind of works as like a playlist. This is a playlist, if you look at it. Like, the way it just kind of consistently flows into the next track and it's always heading somewhere there's always the next idea ready to fall into place it's and it's short it's just under 40 minutes the production got better better from rap music better from running jewels one better from rap music yeah yeah different from rap music. it's different but i just find like it's more he he kind of went back to his lp-ness but made, gave it more of a punch yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I want to punch somebody in the face when I listen to this. Mm -hmm. I want to break a wall down. I want to throw your amp from that side of the room right outside into the street. Like, this is in your fucking face. Fuck you. We're here to take over the duos. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they, they won the tag team championships with this. They When we saw them live, we saw them live, what, twice together? They, yeah, twice. They had well, the, this was the tour where we that got rescheduled, right? Yeah, and they had the belts. I don't know if they had the belts. Yeah, somebody from the stage or maybe a video I saw on YouTube or some shit. They had the tag team championship belts. Right. Finally, after being a big supporter and was in love with underground hip hop, finally after fifteen years, yeah, 
LP is getting is recognition. Yeah, for real. It's and but even Killer Mike because that Killer Mike that first time I heard Killer Mike on the whole on the whole world by Outcast. I never thought the first time I heard of Killer Mike and the first time was was in that song, in a music video on TV, and I never saw him again. Mm. Yes, okay, I knew who he was. I knew he was still around. I knew, I knew he was making albums, but to see like him win after all this time. Like the guys on Netflix show, the guys like political views to fucking CNN to, <laughs> to talk. Man, it's it's rewarding to see the good guys win. It's amazing. These guys are the good guys. They yeah. they did so much for hip hop. You know how much I love LP. To see that guy win is I feel rewarded. Yeah. I feel like I'm winning. No, you're right. Yeah, it's, His, it's he's getting his recognition. As a producer, as an MC, he's getting his full on. He's an artist, and he's getting it now after 15 years in the in hip hop. He had his own record label, Definitive Jux. Mm. He produced for so many underground hip hop heads: Cage, again, uh, Mr. Liff, uh, all these artists, Camuteo, and fucking finally, finally, yeah. It's. I want these guys to make music for the next 15 years for me. I'll be so happy. It doesn't even need to per- be. It doesn't need to. It's it's that type of music that even it doesn't need to be perfect. I'm not asking them to challenge what they do or, like on Run the Jewels three. I'll be the first to say it. Like I like the new direction, but I keep going back to the to this one. Some people will say three is the best yeah. one. I still go and say that two is the best. But I agree with you, a hundred ten percent. And I was always saying three was my favorite. Mm. But going back to this album, this is, uh, yeah. This is the standard. This is the run the jewel standard. But like I said, step out of the box, do whatever. I'm. I just want new stuff always. Uh, on that note, we're halfway down the list. Uh, what do you say we take a break? Let's take a break. I'm tired. We're back for the second half of the list of 2010s albums that will complete the top 100 hip hop albums of all time in this week's season finale. Um, to highlight my beautiful dark twisted fantasy take care uh, rap music my brazy life and run the jewels too shit that was quick it was quick uh, but we have a lot to cover (laughs) we have a lot of ground to cover still we're not done just yet Uh, the next album on the list uh, is from 2015 another I wouldn't call this one a, um, a trendsetter, but a, an album that stepped out of the box completely beyond belief. Next level. I'm, are you waiting for me to say the album or are you going to say it? Go for it. Kendrick Lamar, To Pimp a Butterfly. Fuck. Uh, I don't even know where to start. I'm going to be really honest with you. Um, I have no idea where to start with this. So I'm going to just say nothing sounded like this. And nothing sounds like this. Still to this day, today, the date that we are, I do not think that any other rapper could reinvent this. No, but to be fair, Thundercat, Flying Lotus, all guys that contributed to this album, if you want to go all the way back to the Miles Davis of Bitches Brew era, there are 
this is a type of music that had been touched on by others. George Clinton. Yeah, the Funkadelic, uh, Parliament Funkadelic. I mean, look, people have done this not in hip-hop. Let's be fair. Yeah, no, for sure. That's what I was talking about, obviously. But let's, let's go to where he did Section 80. He did Good Kid, Mad City. Mm-hmm. So you're coming out, you're doing that, and you're like, okay, what's next? Good Kid, Mad City was praised very high, right? Yeah. It was praised yeah, very yeah, high. It was, the... okay? it, was, it was next level. Finally, we get to see what this guy's made of. He's come out with a classic after 10 days of it being out. What's next for Kendrick Lamar? And he drops to Pimp a Butterfly. I don't understand to this day the change. Because you got your Kanye's, you got your Drake's, you got your people that change their styles. Uh, they, they attack a different sound. But to go left field like the way he did and sounds West Coast, sounds authentic. It's like he brought back his, he brought back hip hop roots when he made this. He went back to the sampling. He, he changed up his voice throughout the album. I don't know how many times he could have changed his voice on the album, but I think every song he sounds different. He switched it up. He gave you variety. He attacked different subject matter. Yeah. He, um, he, yeah, he did. He, I mean, he just, it's, it's, it's crazy to say, but the first time, so I was waiting for Kendrick Lamar to put out a second album, third album, whatever the fuck you want to call it. So we hear the first single, which when you hear this song, you're, you're like, this is, I, yeah, you're like, what, what, what are we going to, what, what's coming out? And you don't know the way TD, you like, so funky but it was also poppy like you were almost like okay is he going that direction right okay it's it reminded me of when outcast put out hey yeah 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 it had that yeah yeah okay well it was occasionally on radio okay so the first single comes out a week before you see the picture of it you see gang members the bloods and the crips doing a heart okay so you're like oh fuck is he going to really go that different route and it's going to be harder? Well, it didn't sound harder. <laughs> the song comes out. Very positive. Very different sound. Acoustic guitar in it. Uh, very funky. It's like that, uh, like something you could dance to yeah. type song. And to me, when I first heard it, I was like, okay. Is this the route he's going to go? I'm like, okay, let me listen to it a couple of more times. Okay, I'm getting it. I like it. I started to like it. Then he puts out, quote unquote, his second single, which is really not a single because the song came out before King Kunta came out. I remember this. Yeah, yeah, did, did perfectly. Okay, and it wasn't that much of a. There was like about a month in between, maybe a bit more. In between when the album came out and when the single came out. Well, Black or the Berry being yeah, the second because single. Because I wasn't it. it I came out very... Oh, yeah, I came out the year before. Yeah. Like, we waited, like, almost half a year before it. And we were all waiting to know, like, what, what's going on. Like, he gave us his track and he's gone again. Yeah, what's the sound? Yeah, yeah. What's going to come out of this? And then he puts out The Black or the Berry, which to me is not a single. It's just of, like, here I am. Take this and fucking eat it. 
And then you're just like, <laughs> okay, this is way different than I. What the fuck is going on with this guy? Yeah. Like, of all the songs he's put out, this is, besides Mad City, mm -hmm. this is a hard song. This is very heavy, okay? And the whole, the whole subject matter in the song, where he's really talking to you. He talks to you about the Trayvon Martin. He talks to you about the racism and all that stuff. And then he says, what does he say at the end of the song? He says something where, how can you cry about Trayvon Martin, but you're killing? We're killing each other. Yeah. We're killing each other. And it's, yeah. And that leaves everybody just like. Uh, we're tackling other things. Yeah. We and thought. people took it very differently. There was the people that were like, oh, fuck. What he's saying is super true. And then there was the people that were mad at him for saying that. Yeah. Like, what's his position to say yeah, that? Yeah. What's his position to say that? And there was the people that spoke their shit on Twitter and all that stuff. But to me, I was just like, finally, somebody is coming out and again, doing something differently. And attack, attacking subject matter that's very important mm -hmm. in the culture today, in the world today. Well, it's very interesting how you made that point about I being so positive. I love myself. And when you get to that track on the album, it's not the single. It's a mocked live performance where a fight breaks out. Yeah. Between two people in the crowd enjoying the same thing. Like, what are we, what are we doing to each other? Exactly. So you're getting two different Kendrick Lamar sides. You're getting like two different characters, right? Yeah. King Kunta comes out. Okay. This is funky. It sounds like I, but way more hip hop. I. Yeah. Way more diverse in the sound. And then the album drops and it's just like, to me, took about 10 to 15 times listening to it for me to be like, yeah, like it's the same thing for like I said about Good Kid. And we had the discussion already. Mm -hmm. Good Kid took me a long time of listening to what people were saying and then going back to the album and trying to understand it. Yeah. This I really needed to go fucking dig in. Here's the thing is. Um, there are albums like Good Kid that. When you hear once or twice, you kind of get the idea. I don't know if you know what I mean by that, but not more is going to come of it. Mm -hmm. What you have is in front of you, and yes, it's a body of work that's worth digging into. But this was on that beautiful dark level. Those type of albums, the first time you hear them, don't allow you to enjoy them. Mm. Because they throw you off. It's not an album made for you to like today. No. It challenges you. It puts you up to this kind of... How, how flexible am I willing to be with this artist, one? With the subject matter, am I willing to dive into it enough to try... Because the racial stuff that's very in front and, and presented to us, but there are meanings and... and, and, so, and there are topics on this that we will never understand. No. We won't. Others but, might. 
he went to attack something on this album where people are probably scared to touch on. Yeah. That are afraid to be like, okay, I'm going to talk about this and I'm going to say what's on my mind. I'm going to touch this sound and it's going to be okay and it's going to sound well. He did it his way. This is the album he wanted to make and he succeeded with it. The album is so diverse with sound, flow, uh it's all that cadence. it's all that it's all that thun like that i i said him before but that thundercat bass that just keeps coming back throughout the album it's like it sounds so west coast like it could sound so new york like it could sound so underground like it, like could, it could sound so flying lotus like it could sound so it's like all over the place but you know when somebody comes on them and like hold on this guy is doing too much i have no idea what direction he's going into it this is that but sounding so well done so well put together it's like the album takes you on a roller coaster you're on a roller coaster throughout the whole album it's like when it starts to then when you get to you that is he changes up his fucking whole characters his whole flow dealing with yeah. himself And There's a thing that Gabu said on the last episode about Eminem's album that the songs contradict themselves in a way. Yeah. And to finish off the album with Mortal Man where he interviews Tupac. Yeah. And it's a 12-minute song. and there could well, be Most the of it is interview, right? Most of it is interview. The song is about three minutes. Yeah. And asking Tupac questions. And it feels like the interview actually happened. We all know it didn't happen, but the way it was put together, the way he's asking Tupac these, these, these questions and hoping that he has the answers for them. And then Tupac gets killed and has no end result for him. So this is what he's battling with in his head as well. Kendrick Lamar throughout the album is battling with something. He's battling with the fact that He's gotten to another level. He left Compton. He feels like he let his the city down. He's let everybody in his city down because he's gotten to a such a popular figure that he's not giving back to his community. So he's battling with that angst, that depression. You could hear it in you. Mm -hmm. he, he's talking about that he hates himself and that he's missed so much opportunity in the city with his friends people are dying he wishes he was there if he was there could it have been a different change people are getting pregnant people are having like just the whole Compton life he's away from it now because of the artist as he's become so he's dealing with that along with the racial things that are happening in in America and happening throughout this albums So it's, it's, it's kind of like a battle, like he's battling throughout the whole album to finally where he gets to where he needs to be and he understands where he is in his life and how he's grown from a caterpillar to a butterfly. You yeah. got? Yeah, 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 I got it. So it's a whole story and it's a whole concept in itself. So that's why at the end he's talking to Tupac and he's, he's really having that conversation with him and telling him that poem that he wrote and how he's feeling and to see if he has an answer for him look there could there's so many theories about this album yeah, yeah never that i right. could be i could i could be wrong but 100%. that's that's great though because you put this idea for me forward that i gotta be honest with you when albums start having theories and the depth and all this and all that and we have plans for future topics that we're going to talk about that i'm going to elaborate 
It's a good thing you said because I'm going to elaborate on that later. As soon as albums start to have too much context, I just listen to it for the album. I kind of detach from that. I've always been a music first guy. So, but yeah, no, it makes total sense now that you're saying it like that. It, 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 it does make total sense. And that further confirms the contradiction of songs from one to the next. Um, I'm still finding out things when I listen to this album. I'm still hearing things I didn't hear the first 400 times I listened to it. I'm still hearing new things as we go. My songs that I love, I start finding other ones I love more. Yeah. My, my favorite song on the album is always going to be institutionalized. How we, he challenges and how he finds his inner storytelling. Like he mixes like a Snoop flow with like his own with like like even he could even have a bit of that slick rick flow in him it's like mm-hmm. and it sounds so west coast Later slick rick. yes and it sounds so west coast with that kind of g-funk sound to it but it's really not like there's so much into this album that yeah i'm gonna go out and say it right now before we move on this album to me is a 10 on 10 album oh, of course there's no question no of course there's no question. Um, there's uh, something that I do really like about this album was that uh, it wasn't promoted in the same way somebody normally would promote an album. In that, when he went to to award shows and when he went when he performed at major events surrounding this album, he didn't play songs off it. You were wondering what he was gonna do when he showed up, and he would give you untitled songs that then we found out were from the Untitled Unmastered, another great little accompanied album, right? It's like a B-side. let's call it. Yeah, it's all the leftovers. And uh, when you see that he was going out promoting this stuff, everyone was hearing these songs and being like, what? Like, why wasn't this? Like, he just kept impressing you with things that he purposely left off the album. I thought that was great. What a rollout. And the other thing I thought was, was fantastic was how this album wasn't followed with a world tour. It's his class. It to me, it's his best record, and there was no world tour that followed. All the dates were intimate. He went here. He went there. He did a couple of little things with a with a house band. He did some and, um, festivals. Yeah, but they weren't pushed as the tour of. He did, he headlined yeah. festivals, but we caught him at a festival and he did nothing off the album. He, he did like all right and and King Kunta. And I. Right. I think. Yes, it was Adoshiaga. But do you understand the yeah. type of tour you could have put around this album? Yeah. A huge explosive. And it was just left what it is. Here's the body of work. And when it achieved that type of level, then, okay, we got a little tour. And the people that were fortunate enough to see that were but lucky. But the festival dates were not a tour for this album. He played in a jazz club in New York. That's it. That those were the th- That's the type of shows that surrounded this people that got to see the few shows that were put on for this mini tour, let's call it. It's one of those things that'll never be like, even if he does a 10th anniversary tour, those shows must have been like the best touring years of Kendrick Lamar. How, how crazy is it that he never plays more than two or three of these songs from the album? If It's because I would assume it's because of what it takes to do them well. Yeah. You need the a full type of, yeah instruments right full band 
the jazz sound. Mm. Fuck, we forgot to say that the jazz sound. Well, we said it. I mean, the thundercat is pretty much yeah the jazz that he attacks in this. It's it's incredible. This is a masterpiece. Oh, really? Yeah, it is. It is. There's no. Uh, I mean, look, we're not gonna argue that. It's it's it stood the test of time, and it didn't even. I mean, look. Next album on the list. The next album on the list is by another L.A. artist. Long Beach. Or Long Beach. L.B. artist. Crip Sides. Um, Crazy how the West Coast huh? starts taking over. Yeah. Yeah. This was... Uh, when this came out, this was actually... It's the same year as... To it was a, a couple, butterfly. yeah, it was a little while after, yeah. And it was number two on my top ten albums of that year, which Two Pimp was number one, and this was number two. And I remember my cousin Mark messaging me and asking me as a text message, who's Vince Staples? And I'm just like, you need to go hear Summertime 06 by Vince Staples. You need to go hear this album. What does he say about Vince Staples today? Better. <laughs> um, we posted something when Joy Division's Unknown Pleasures turned forty, and in the in the comment underneath, I I mentioned how the artwork to that album is often emulated, is often copied by others. This album cover, in a way, is the Cali Waves done in a Joy Division format. Yeah, that 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 uh, that jumped out at me right away. Thinking a guy coming from the West Coast, uh, growing up in the hood, all that stuff, and uh, the subject matter that he has, and having an album cover like that st- stood out to me. It was different. Yeah. It was something else. He wasn't trying. It doesn't look like a rap album. No, it doesn't look like a rap album. And he was he wasn't trying to be that. I'm a rapper. Come listen to my rap album. Yeah. He's like, here's my body of work. Here's two discs. A double album. This is a double album. This is his first official album. So he went from EP to double album. Double album. He had a couple of mixtapes. Yeah. But he came out with a double disc as his first album. And to be fair, it's only an hour long. Yeah, there's ten half an hour each side. There's twenty songs. Yeah, it's ten ten songs per per side. So it's not a difficult double album. No, it sticks to the recipe. It gets it gets you from point A to point B and does it very well. Um, Produced almost entirely by No ID. Legendary No ID. Yeah, I remember. I remember his. Because he had the hell... You know why no ID, right? What I heard, and correct me if I'm wrong, I could be really wrong with this, is because he was on Common's right. album. This was somebody that they... I, From what I understood, I don't know how right any of this is, but from what I understood, they kind of saw him as... It, it was kind of like a guy they wanted to... Uh, make sure he was taken care of because he could go places he was an artist that he's not going he's telling you what happens in Long Beach but he's not promoting it 
He's not violent. He's not aggressive. He's not a gangbanger. He's not so... I think Common saw himself in Vince Staples. Gets no ID involved. Let's make sure this guy's taken care of. And let, Type let, of thing. And let's be honest. When you see the potential in someone, and you, you're not going to just give anybody to him. You know what I mean? You're not going to be like, I need you guys to take care of this guy. Push this guy. They knew he was good. He was... He, yeah, well, he came with that Hellcam Wade EP and... And again, he's changing up his sounds. Look at to what he made last year and the year before. Well, Big and, Fish was... We argued on Big Fish to be on this. But he, uh, it's, a, it's another diverse MC. And look again, look again, who went to go work with artist, him. Artist, yes. And bring him on tour was Damon Albarn and Gorillaz, like with De La Soul. Like, this guy's well... Well, well liked. Because he's a good, he's a great artist. He's not that... The The thing I love about Vince Staples and what attracted me to him was his verse on Hive on the Earl yeah. Sweatshirt album. Yeah. Okay? I think that was probably his first uh, major appearance. Yes, because he had his... Uh, the, the tapes. But the, the Shine Cold Chain yeah. tape before that. And there was a winter plague with a different producer. He he attracted me with, and to me with the bars that he had and how he was flowing so well. Then I heard him on the common, and then I went to go back and listen to that. And he doesn't come off of like, "Hey, I am Vince Staple. I'm a rapper." At never, to me, it's, "Hey, I am Vince Staples. Here's my music. Here's my body of work. Yeah. I'm gonna try and be different. Yeah. I am going to be different every time I put out an album." And he said that. I would say before this came out, around Hell Can't Wait, every album you're going to get from me is going to be different than my last album. And they've all been pretty... The uh, the Hell Can't Wait and Prima Donna follow, I guess, similar sounds. Yes. Hell Can't Wait, I find, is way superior. But when you get to Big Fish, it's almost like it's not even hip-hop. Yeah. It's like 90s dance tributes and like it's, like it's crazy the he tried to, to pull out on that he went to like attack that he was saying in an interview that la like 80s 70s yeah. Yeah, dance LA, yeah. club type yeah. what was happening where he was from what he with his parents were showing him mm-hmm. uh we didn't really cover the album itself um could we be honest on the two disc thing let's say the first disc is really the solid part of the album the right fir- the first disc is it's where you get the songs that he keeps playing on tour. Lift Me Up, North North. Uh, Jump Off the Roof. I mean, Senorita, they're all songs that he continues to play live. Senorita, FYI, is not featuring It is Future. not featuring Future. It's a sample. Okay. From let's... Future's album, Honest. <laughs> I think the track's called... What's it called? It's the one where he says, I, I make, make Franklin do back of flips. What's it called? Uh, I can't remember by heart. But covered it, in Money. Yeah, Covered in Money. Covered... Yeah. And, and money, money, uh, yes, for sure. The first disc hits you. It hits you pretty hard too. It's solid. The first disc is like, like honestly, when I get to the end of the first disc, and I go into the second, it takes a while. I want to go back to the first. Yeah, record. but it takes a while. But then after you listen to "Might Be Wrong," because the first four songs, I would say, are a different sound of what you yeah, had. But it's like two thirty is good. Yeah, surf is good. It's like a it's like a Street continuation. Is so good. It's like a continuation from summertime for the first four songs. Yeah. Get paid, street 
Street Punks is, Street Punks is great. There's probably out of the boat discs, besides Dope Man, my favorite song. The beat is, yeah. Solid on that. Hang and Bang. CNB. He has such a, a constant. Yeah, it flows. It's a, it's, it is a good second disc. I'm just saying the first disc really. Yeah, no, no, for is sure. A level above. Like, we, we need to highlight him. Like, we need to highlight him. He is so well diverse in his music sound and so well like he put himself so well together and coming out with in the 2010s in 2015 your first album a double disc and making it sound so well and not giving too much to the people you see double disc you're like oh shit it's gonna be too much but you're not giving them too much you're giving them two sides exactly what you need to intake from this artist yeah uh, I think we can move on yeah that's fucking insane album next album on the list is from the TD camp we're going back to that area of LA but Wait. not not Kendrick not Kendrick we're gonna go with uh, you're gonna carry it cause uh, I think you have more to say on this than I do this and another could we say this let's be honest yeah. it's another album that people are gonna people are gonna wonder what happened why is this one there yeah why is this one there why is blank face lp by skew boy q on this list you want me to answer you why well you probably know where i'm gonna go with this but they're asking themselves why why didn't we why put something else um when schoolboy q came out with habits and contradictions to me it stood out as a more superior body of work than Section 80 at the time. I didn't understand why people were... And I continue to say the Section 80 is a good... is good at best. And by good, I mean like 7.58. I don't... Like, I don't... I don't need it to be considered a classic or for you to be like... like We get it. You like Kendrick. Like, you don't need to tell me it's a 10. <laughs> okay? When Habits came out, to me, it was better and still is than Section 80. But it felt like it was being, it was something that was being worked, still worked on, perfected, right? Oh, he was still trying to find his sound. Oxymoron comes out. We waited for a while. We were anticipating it. I was excited as a fucking kid in a toy store. And I know you feel an oxymoron, but look, don't, don't, don't give me oxymoron. I don't ever need to hear that record again. So when Blank Face came out, I had pretty much given up. And the single that part comes out with Kanye. Well, first it was a groovy Tony single that was a pretty impressive. I got to get back into that story after you're done. Go. But then that part comes out. And I'm thinking, you know what? Oxymoron to me was really not very good. But that Man of the Year single, I keep thinking <laughs> about like, yeah, like his singles. He had a good choice of singles, like even that 2 Chain song. When you when you when I heard that part, to me it was like yeah this is, I'm done like I habits was habits. And I remember that I remember that. And so the album comes out, and I still gave it a good. Sh I you know what actually I'll I think for this one I probably waited for critics because I had already started to. And I'm seeing eights on tens. I'm seeing like, 
like solid scores. Like people are liking it. People are saying like this is the Schoolboy Q album. To me, it just felt like I, I don't see him being that type of artist that could carry this type of an album. And from the second I put it on, the intro track um, with Anderson, well, with Tor- Torch, and then into the Lord Have Mercy interlude. And then into that song, that part that I didn't like, it immediately felt like that body of work, not obviously not on that Kendrick Pimple Butterfly level, but it was that body of work I was hearing again from the My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasies, from the Two Pimple Butterflies, that body of work that's, it's not linear. You're going to hear different things every time you're going to put this on. And for an artist like Schoolboy Q to pull that off, somebody who I thought had a very good debut mixtape, uh, whatever, habits, into an oxymoron that I didn't like, that I, like I said, don't ever need to hear again. And Blank Face is like a step into this new light of like changing sounds. It stuck. It stuck fucking like a fly on the wall. Again, you want to talk about like he doesn't need to always be rapping on it. He does whatever you want. It's like it's it's more he is kind of rapping, but like. It's like it's like his voice goes into like a different direction. And this is where I go to those albums and say like. The take care is like these are these are things that gave people ideas. It it let people see like what could I do with my platform. It's a great. Re- I have nothing else to say. Go off. I have nothing well, else to say. I'm not going to spend too much time because you took probably eighty percent of the words I wanted to say out of my mouth. The first time I heard Groovy Tony, look. When I first started dating my wife, I was listening big into Section 80 and Habits. And I liked Habits, I would say, a tad more than Section 80. Okay? It's a better album. Let's be real. Let's be real. Section 80 is good, but and Habits re- is Habits. And the reason being is because I was looking for gangster rap. Before My Crazy Life came out for gangster rap, that aggressive ice cube gangster rap in your face... Yes. Music for so long. And before that, I was into the underground, a lot into the underground scene. So I'm hearing habits and I'm like, finally, I get to have a piece of art with me that I'm just like, I want to hear this. This is what I want to hear. This is what I've been waiting for to hear. And I found it. And habits to me was that summer, I would say from March, because that year, summer started in March for a, for a while till oxymoron came out i would listen to that album almost i would say every day every second day that summer was every day but then oxymoron came out and i liked it because you had raekwon on it because you had alchemist production because you had two chains and you had different songs it wasn't habits but i but i really liked it i enjoyed it it was very lengthy as of all schoolboy q albums are 
Yeah, and except then, for Crash Talk. And then there was what a good two, three years before Blank Face came out. I remember, and I was still working at HMV, and I was in the office in the basement. It's at HMV a lot. Yeah. yeah, but it's true because this is where we were. <laughs> a, a groovy Tony song came out, and I was in the office in the basement, and I was like, "Oh fuck, a new Schoolboy Q." And I was trying to get the Wi-Fi, and I was trying to fucking connect to the internet and all that shit, and. The song came out and I was just, I listened to it and it was a two minute and something song, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it's a two minute and something song as the single. Mm. I was like, oh, fuck. He's rapping like crazy on it. That's the first thing that came to my mind. The beat's insane. He's rapping like crazy on it. What the fuck? The video came out and I would listen to that song over and over and over again. Then that part featuring Kanye West came out and I had the same exact feel like you. Ah. What's happening? What's happening? The album. But didn't you have that feeling with Crash Talk too? Short, short teaser. Yeah. And then short that boner. song with and then with uh, fucking Travis uh, Scott. So you put so you so you put the album on. It comes out. I'm like I'm excited as fuck because already I'm a huge, huge Schoolboy Q fan and a fan of his music and what he does and the sound I'm I'm, I'm looking for. And. Off the bat, I am blown away. Like, right off the bat, I am blown away. The second time I hear it, I'm just like, huh? Uh, maybe I don't like it as much as the first time. The third time, I did the same thing. But as I started to understand what he was trying to do, yeah, and where he was trying to go with his sound, where he was trying to be that, I'm not going to only do this sound, I am going to do more than this. I am going to do the West Coast song. I am going to... My, my vocals are going to switch up in the song. I'm going to sing a certain grimy type way on it. I'm going to go get fucking Jada Kiss as a featuring on it's the song. It, the, the featured things with, uh, with Schoolboy Q are always interesting. Eh? Because if you go back to Oxymoron, you said Raekwon's on it, 2 Chains on it. There was always a, He always has a variety of, of feature. When you look at the features off this album and you think Jada Kiss... Rough Riders and you think E-40 and the Dog Pound that we spoke about in the West Coast episode but then you also see Vince Staples that we just spoke about last and then you see Anderson Pack, the, uh, the, the uh, one of Dr. Dre's more recent protege, protégés let's say Miguel's on it Kanye's on it another from this from this week's episode there's always a variety in his guests yeah He's not he he and and I think that that's we're not covering Crash Talk, but that's maybe what Crash Talk was lacking. Fuck yeah. Because and you said the first thing when you saw Crash Talk, the first thing you said, and I said it doesn't matter. But now I'm looking at it and I'm like, oh, you said, why the hell are these the features of Crash Talk? Why Twenty One Savage? Why Travis Scott? These aren't the guys he goes to get, and I could see it now. And I also want to highlight SZA on this album because SZA could have made this list if it was more (laughs) R&B. So he made an album very out there, very very different from his previous work and and it worked so well with him. Look at the tone in his voice on some songs. Look at the cadence. Look at all he's doing, his wordplay on it. And like YG did where I said he attacks West Coast G-Funk, Mm-hmm. And goes to that E40 type sound. You know what Schoolboy Q does on this album? 
the exact same thing, but goes to different areas, goes to different areas and goes to get different sounds. And it works super well with him. I would pick Blank Face over so many albums from the 90s, so many albums from the 2000s, like in a heartbeat because it's so yeah. well done again. And we're talking about so well done albums in fucking 2010s. It's better now than when it came out. It came out in 2016. 2016 was a huge year for music. It was my number one that year, right? It was? Yeah, it was my number one. I mean, amongst the 2016s that I could think of, you had Radiohead's A Moon Shape Pool, you had uh, Frank Ocean's Blonde, Bowie's Black Star, Rest Tribe peace, came Bowie. back with uh, Thank You for Your Service. Uh, Life of Pablo was that year. It was a fucking huge. Wilson had an album that year. And the next album on the list is my favorite rap album from that year. Um, you had Vince Staples with the Joy Division cover from Unknown Pleasures. And you have Danny Brown with the album title paying homage to Joy Division's second album, a song called Atrocity Exhibition, off their second album, Closer. His album is Atrocity Exhibition. He does wear Joy Division shirts sometimes. I see him wearing Joy Division shirts. He doesn't shirts. wear Joy Division shirts. Fuck. Uh, I don't mind. I don't, I'm fine with it. But if you're going to wear it, do the homework. Atrocity Exhibition. You know what? <laughs> Danny Brown is the Joy Division to this rap game. It's, it's, it's not for everyone. It's... Moody. It's very moody. It's... Um, dark it's grimy like we talk about dark and grimy like this is dark and he's he's grimy and you get his first mixtape slash album in triple x that was fantastic his second album old in 2013 was very inspired by detroit dubstep probably his more let's call it his pop album it was a it, there was two different sides to that album and yeah, it was a side A, true, side, yeah, B. side A, side B. And then in 2016, Atrocity Exhibition comes out. And Three that years first later. single, When It Rain, is just, it's kind of reminiscent of old and that kind of, that, that beat that's just constantly at you, active, active, active. And then Pneumonia comes out, which has the uh, Schoolboy Q ad-libs. I don't know if it's considered featured, but it's, it's, no, it's just cool but you're doing ad-libs it's just ad-libs over pneumonia <laughs> and that third track really oh. that I mean featuring Kendrick Absol and Earl Sweatshirt Posse and cut. all of them are just on a black milk black milk beat it's fucking crazy huh? when and you see that, that it's that black milk Detroit like Detroit with Detroit and it's just the guys from out west come deliver they just like Posse cuts happened a lot in the nineties. Yeah. And they're coming back. Yeah. In These the guys 2010s. Do it quite a bit. And they fucking kill it. Uh other things that he does on this album, on the track today, he does that outcast BOB rhyme scheme and he he even starts he starts by sounding like it and then as the verse progresses he realizes he's saying things from that BOB verse, from from uh from Andre's verse. How experimental is this album? Look, this album is not for everyone, and people are going to be 
Why did you put this on your list? Why'd you man, put, man, yeah. man. But this uh, this album is really more of a feeling than a than oh, a yeah. sound. It's like it's so it's nobody has done what this album does. It's so weird. It's so look. He improved uh, as as an artist. He improved as an MC. He improved overall. He found his sound. He changed his sound. He started to experiment with different... Like, he's not the Danny Brown party on this album. At some no, songs, At some songs, I would say he is a bit. Yeah. But he's not the same XXX and old. He's more It's like he's the, coming off. He's like on a downer now. I like he's more serious. He's... Yeah. He's like, oh, I found this sound. I could work with different sounds. I'm not just that same flow. I'm going to just do that Detroit type hip hop. Yeah. I'm going to do something different. I want to I want to I want to experiment with different artists, different sounds. And how many featurings are on this album? Not many. And they're not even rappers besides that. Like you said, that posse cut. Yes. Be real. Be real comes on on Get High at the end. But like he he's it's like I can't say that he grew up. Because he's in his 30s. Yeah. But he grew up in, in the sense of being a more mature artist on this album. Yeah. The other thing to highlight is that this type of album being so weird and so, let's call it, difficult to listen to on the regular. Like, it's it's for a time and place. When you look at the reception it had, the four stars... The eight and a halfs, the the nines. Like it was, it was praised upon release. It was an alternative to what this was the mad villainy of our of our decade. Let's say it was the alternative to your schoolboy cues, your Kendrick Lamar's that everyone's praising. Your Kanye's that as soon as they're gonna do something, they're gonna everyone's gonna run to it. The Drakes that pretty much control like the commercial hip hop. This was the alternative to that. This was really that mad villainy to this decade. It's not for everyone. There's less to dissect out of it because it's he's not that type of rapper. But. It's really that. It's the alternative to the other 10 albums that we spoke about today. Way left field, too. Way left field. Fool's gold, man. He's not scared. Uh, the thing I like about Danny Brown is he's not scared to be different. No. He's not all. scared to do different things. He wants to be different. But he's still friends with those schoolboy cues, those ASAP Rockies. He's in that kind of circle. And he knows his, his hip-hop. He, he knows, knows his, his music in general. The guy's like, wait, like he he's not close-minded to just doing hip hop at all, and that really helps him do bodies of work like this. And he's and he's been in hip hop for a very long time as well. Yeah, as far back as uh, we spoke about G Unit briefly last yeah. week with Fifty Cent, but this could have been a signing. He was a friend of Tony Ayo's. Yeah, they, they did a, together. They did a mixtape, Hawaiian yeah. Snow. Yeah, and he sounds. Like Danny yeah, Brown yeah. on that album, and when you look at Mystic. like, you if 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 you're interested in seeing some more like on Danny Brown and and stuff, there are 
great stories of him and 50 Cent and how this guy was turned down because of his look. His tight jeans. There was no there was there was no interest. Junit had no interest in this because of the appearance of what are people gonna think when they see this guy on our and look at him now. I don't see Junit around. No. No. But like but let's be real, like he's not a he's not a uh, colossal industry artist either, but he gets this freedom to do whatever the hell he wants and he impresses when he does it. His next album apparently would Q tip. Executive produced or fully produced, and he he puts his time and effort into his albums. Let's just say yeah. that huh? he doesn't release a mixtape every month or every That's year. It. And he has he, a show on Vice coming too. Danny's yeah. house. <laughs> Remember Daniel's house. Danny's house. What was that? I think it was before Old came out. That uh, noisy documentary was a noisy or complex where uh, it's twenty four minute documentary where they go noisy. to Detroit with him. And where so I forget who did it, but yeah. He's at his parents' house and he has the yeah. plastic on the couch so yeah, that you yeah. don't ruin the couch. Yeah. And you see a different side of Danny Brown. He's a funny dude too, man. He's, he's like fun. He's a fun interview. He's like, he's, he's animated. Yeah, he's not. You know what? He's not worried. He's <laughs> not. There's no image for him. And you know the way Gabu laughed last week throughout the episode <laughs> in an interview with Danny, Danny Brown? Brown? It's just him laughing. Yeah. And he fixed his teeth, by the way. Yeah, it looks great. Um... <laughs> Yeah, if you don't know Danny Brown and you want an alternative to whatever you're listening to now, any of the last three records, but Atrocity specifically, I'd say go to. It's crazy how these guys started with mixtapes and the mixtape game becomes became something big in the 2010s. Yep. And you listen to a lot of people that start with mixtapes and you're listening to them and you're just like, okay, I can't wait for the album. I can't wait for the album. And the album comes out and it's horse shit. Where to... Schoolboy Q, where to Danny Brown, where to Vince Staples came out with projects after their mixtapes, and you're just like they elevated it. They really did. They, I mean, yeah. It's crazy. It's they, how it should be, though. Yeah, because there's the mixtape artists that can't make an album because they can't structure a complete album exactly, and they can't do a full body of work exactly to where these guys could fucking do both. And don't even come out with mixtapes anymore. Steve, that being said, we put 99 albums <laughs> on a list and there's one left. We made it. 99. What were the 99? So we're going to start off with... Um, What's the first <laughs> first album we spoke about? Uh, fuck. Ice Cube, America's Most Wanted. Yeah, then... Then it was Dr. Dre's The Chronic. Okay. Then it was Snoop Dogg Doggy Style. Okay. Then it was Nas's Illmatic. Okay. Then it was Notorious B.I.G. Ready to Die. Okay, you're not bad. Then it was, uh, fuck, I'm going to get this wrong. Was it? Tell me if you need uh, help. Reasonable okay. Doubt. That was Reasonable Jay-Z. Doubt. Then after that, it was. <laughs> Hold on a second. I'm almost done. It was Big Pun. Yes. And then after it was DMX. It might have been the other way around, but yes. No, and we finished with most deaf black on both yeah, sides. Yeah, exactly. But DMX and Big Pun, that was good. I wouldn't have been able to do you that. You want me to do all the other episodes? 
when we're done. Okay, when we're cool. done recording, we'll do it. So the last album on the list. I want you to take this one away because I know what it means to you. And as I've stated, like, I know what it means to you. Go for it. So the last album on All Time Pod, Top 100. Hip-hop albums of all time. You guys could, if you know me, you guys are probably like, fuck, he's forgetting one album. When is he going to talk, gonna about, talk about this album? Uh, it's going to be Kendrick Lamar, Damn. It's also the most recent album on the list, as we, well, we did yes. it chronologically. So 2017. April 14, 2017. Steven was at home, myself. I'm talking the third person <laughs> like The Rock. Was at home waiting till midnight. You know who else spoke in the third person? Who else? R. Kelly. Yeah, R. Kelly did. <laughs> Fuck. Be careful, but. Uh, so I was at home the 13th, actually. I finished work at about 11 that night, went home, and I waited till 12, anticipating. Because you, I did not know again with Kendrick Lamar what is he gonna do next. Section 80, Good Kid, Mad City, different sound. Good Kid, Mad City, To Pimp a Butterfly, different sound. Way different. Way different. Like, way different. So what what am I going to get? It comes out 12.05. For some reason, it's not working on my iTunes. I'm about to punch the computer screen. I know what the album looks like. Because a week before, the single for Humble came out which sounded totally different than all the other stuff he's done. And he worked with Mike Will, made it somebody that's been in the hip-hop scene, working with Migos and mm-hmm. all the other guys. Uh, An unusual choice for him yes. to go work with, right? Okay. But the song done so well. Because he is fucking rapping his... Because he's rapping insanely on that album, to me. Okay? We're, we're talking about my feel. On what, what is On Humble. The way he's okay, rapping. on the single, yeah, okay. On the single. He's rapping... Fucking next level rapping yes. on it. And the video is so well done. He, yeah. th- it came out the single and then the video came out right after. So well done. So I'm, I'm waiting. 12.05, whatever. It doesn't work. Finally, I buy the album on iTunes, put it in my headphones. The album starts off with the song Blood where he's following a lady. Yeah. And whatever he gets, you yeah. hear a bang. Yeah. We have no idea if he's dead or if he killed the lady or whatever the hell is going on. And then, no, well, he lost his life. Yeah, he lost his life. But while I'm listening to that, I have no idea yeah, what's okay, going okay, on. Yeah, I'm so telling I'm you gonna, in, my, in my field. And then DNA kicks in. And With a news report. Oh, the more studios. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you're like, okay, fuck. And then bang. And I'm listening. Yeah. I'm, and I'm listening. And I'm just like, holy fuck. What's going on? This sounds nothing like To Pimp a Butterfly. This sounds nothing like Good Kid, Mad City. This sounds nothing like Section 80. And then in the same song, the beat switches up. And yeah. he changes his flow again. again. Um, yeah. Again, a Michael made it beat. Yes. And I'm sitting at the table. And I'm just like, oh, fuck. What, where's this going to take me? And I finish off the album. Yeah. And I'm left at the end of the night with... What did I just listen to? Am I saying that in a negative way or in a positive way? I have no idea yet to that point. And then we then like we, his other albums. Like his other albums. Because look, Pimple Butterfly. First time I heard it, I didn't think it was something I would be listening to often. No, because it was lengthy and cause difficult. Difficult. 
to the point where this album, I said, you know what, it, it happened to me before twice, maybe even three times. Let me go back and listen. And then I started to dig more deeply into the album. Yeah, element, feel, loyalty, pride, humble, till Duxworth, which is produced by Ninth Wonder. Mm -hmm. Just want to throw that out there. Uh, and I'm just like a week later, two weeks go by and I'm just and I'm starting to understand more of what he's trying to do. And this is where I'm just like, okay, I understand. It's feelings. It's emotions he's going through. He's telling you a story of he's being realistic. He is being truthful. He's being honest with you and telling you. He's making himself relatable. And it's exactly what I want to say. And I don't want to take that away from you because you made a great point is that I could relate to this album. Huh? To this day, I relate to this album where I could go back to each song and be like, Okay, he feels this way. I've felt that way before. Maybe not the same exact scenario, but I feel this certain way. To me, there's so much diversity in hip-hop. There's so much different sounds. But when you could relate to an album, and let's be honest, do we relate to all these hip-hop albums on our list? No. No. But when you can relate to an album, it touches you more. Yeah. It, it touches you more deeply. And when you could relate to it, it just feels more honest. It just feels more like it comes from a place of that's real. And you know what I mean? Like, yeah. It's like I feel what he's feeling. I feel his emotions. I felt this way before. Yeah. And also the fact that, again, I've said it for, I would say, 80 of these 100 albums. When you have somebody that makes an album where he makes you a body of work, where he's changing up the way he sounds on each song, and he's changing up his flow, he's changing up the beats, he's doing different things with his voice, with his vocal cords, he's doing a high-pitched voice, he's rapping lower, he changes up the speed. To me, that's what makes an album something I want to listen to, something I want to go back. Again, it's short. Compared to his other bodies of work, it's a 55-minute album. Yeah, it's a lot shorter. But it's also a lot easier. No bonuses. It's a lot easier in that the instrumentation that you find onto Pimple Butterfly is very... They're very complex arrangements. Is very The changes are very weird. So it's not an album that's always for the mood. And I think the same could be said about Good Kid, even though it's more of a straightforward album. I think this is his easiest album of the three. That you don't need to feel a certain way to put it on. It'll it, there's so much. Um, it's it's his most accessible album. That's all. Yeah, and when you go and when you go talk to somebody that has never heard Kendrick Lamar, and you put this on, it'll attract them quicker. Like, and I'm yes. and I'm talking about the more people that listen to like the. The Migos type of hip hop, the Gucci Mane. Easier hip hop, yeah. You know? Yeah. So the easier hip hop, it attracts them more because it sucks to say, but a lot of those people might not understand fully to pimp or good kid or section eighty because it's so the the sound to it is it's it, it's different. Right. But again, this sound is different in this catalog, but it's way easier to listen to. 
Yeah. But again, there's the songs on here that you'll you'll put on and people will be like, what, what is this? This is Kendrick Lamar. He does this. Do you see what I'm getting at with how diverse the album is? Like Pride. He's kind of like challenge, challenging. I mean, channeling an Andre 3000 mm-hmm. type flow, but to the Kendrick Lamar standard. Yeah. The loyalty. Let's, let's be honest. The loyalty song. It's a more commercial, commercially successful I would say like it stood it's, out. It's, it's, it's stood out with Rihanna, yeah. but it sounds so different than what else is coming out today. Because you mentioned the the Rihanna song, the other feature on this album is U two. Which to me, when I saw the feature list, I know we often say like, don't uh, don't judge the features; it doesn't make the album. Like if you could have one feature or zero feature, you could have ten features or zero features, and your album could be equally as good, right? Right. It's the it's the body you put forward. When I saw this, I <laughs> thought it, what I'm I'm not trying to be silly or anything. But when I saw this, it's it looked like a like a leak. <laughs> no, I'm serious. I, I remember we had that conversation. To me, it was like let's could we wait and see? Like could we really just wait and see what's gonna happen? And then the album came out and YouTube was on it and I could care for you. I I, I anyway. It bothers me that they're there. <laughs> it still bothers me that they're kind of there. Because they don't need to be there. Like, it could be you 2 just as much as it could be... SZA. Oh, no, or... I was going to say Imagine Dragons. Like, no. it makes no difference. You 2 isn't doing anything that's you 2 to no. be you 2 on the song. It could be uh, it could be you and I doing it. But maybe... Maybe this... Yeah, I get what you're saying. But maybe the subject matter or the way he wants to go and get somebody different... Than what he usually does, or just. Do you I, think it was his way of saying, "Look what I can do"? Oh, for sure. Because I don't find that this album, and it's very interesting because you put this on the list, and I I agree that it should be there because of the impact he's had over the last decade. But um, I sort of feel like this album is a is a is a kind of like it becomes a running joke on the. The, how serious and how deep we took to Pimp a Butterfly. Mm-hmm. Like that intro blood where somebody gets shot at the end and that last song tells you about how his dad was friends with Anthony and it, it ties back into like how if he wouldn't have helped him, he may not have, Kendrick would not, may not have been born. And then it goes back into the whole, the, the, the whole album plays in reverse and then you get the first line of blood again. I feel like he's kind of toying with trying to make a concept out of something that isn't there. Or trying to... And I get what you're saying, 110%. Or he's just trying to make an, make an album and make a story. And like where we... Look, we're in an era where these guys come out with albums and there's, n- there's nothing to it. It's just no here's 10 songs, here's 15 songs, here's 20 songs. They make sense. They don't make sense. Whatever. But there were games he played with this. Yes. Like the Kid Capri on the CD versus Kid Capri on the digital is different. There's also a small skit at the end of XXX or at the beginning of XXX. One of the two where he, there's a phone skit where he calls his cousin or his cousin calls him. 
but it's not on the iTunes version or not on right. one of the two, not on the CD version. I have the CD like it's not on the this, digital. This thing one. for like ten times. The the collector's edition where you play the album in reverse. Yeah. Where the, uh, the, the where, where the first song is Ducksworth and it goes all the way to Blood, so the album is played in reverse. So he's giving you a different story, and a different idea to the album. The and I know how you feel about this. Dumb. Yeah, I would call that album dumb instead of that. <laughs> no, I think the reverse thing was a was a was a, a. I think we were at the we were at the concert. The tour was here, was in town when they when that came out or yeah. when it was just announced it that was, he reversed was, the order. It was coming out. But like, could we be, like, why reverse it? I, I don't look. I don't need it. Is it? It, it was his way of saying it could go this way or yeah. it could go that way. It's a cool idea, but do I need it? I absolutely agree with it's you. It's not that cool of an idea, though. It's if you ask me, it's a little unoriginal, because like we said, the uh, Dilla Donuts loops back into itself. Yeah. So was he trying to do that with this album and then showing you you could play it in either direction? I think what he was trying to do is just tell you a, the, the, the same the story could be played in reverse. It's the, just the way this, the album starts versus the way it ends, you could play it in reverse because you're getting the album with Duxworth where he's telling you the story of his dad meeting Top Dog. and I it, think I kind of see something, but it's a little tacky. Say if it. you go backwards, it's kind of like a birth. Exactly. And if you go the other way, it's kind of... It's, it, it, what he's going through and what he'd be going through if that if song number 14 never happened. Look, there's a lot of theories to it. We could talk about this all day. <laughs> no, I don't, I, don't, I don't care for that. I don't care for the... I don't care for the front or back. I like the album the way it is first with blood and then Duxworth, but I think he's trying to give you it's it's he's doing he's doing a different roll up than what's happening in hip hop. He's doing it differently. I gotta yeah. give him credit for that 110%. Mm-hmm. It's it's an easier listen to people. It's a very well done album, and again, he changed the sound of what he was doing. So when yeah. when when like Outcast, it's his pop album, let's say, yeah. When Outcast came out with Southern Playlistic, then changed their sound to AT Aliens, then changed their sound to Aquemini, then changed their sound to Stankonia, then changed their sound to the Love Below Speaker Box. Yeah. Th- they did that, right? They yeah. were very different in their sound. Kendrick Lamar is doing the He's exact doing the same, same thing. thing. Yeah. Exact same thing. And finally, I, I'm, I, we're able to discuss it. And finally, people need to understand that in hip hop, right now, what's going on? There's the Kanye West and Ken, and there's the Kendrick Lamar's with the different sounds, with the different albums and the different concepts and the different ways of putting the role out of the albums. We get that, right? We understand that together. People yeah, need to understand for sure. Nobody else is doing what he's doing. And I cannot wait to see what the what what could be next. What could be next? I have no idea. I'm in the same boat as I was when I first heard "Good Kid," "To Pimp," and "Damn." I have no idea what to expect next. Could it be shit? It can be. Could it be better than all of them? And I gotta change my thought about what I yeah. like the most. It's very possible because yeah, we've seen it happen with Outcast. It's yeah. It's interesting that you would say, "Can it be shit?" I don't think it will be shit. But I did think that when I went back to this album, 
when it shortly after it came out, it was my favorite of his. And we said, wow, some days like this could really be the best one. It's moody. But in doing this list, I realized that it's far from his best. And and this might be one of the examples of albums that, okay, we gave a 9.5 on 10. We gave it a 10 on 10 when it came out. But with time, we're going to pay more focus on Pimple Butterfly and Good Kid because of what those did for hip-hop. And I don't think that I could I could say yes, this is a solid body of work that I could listen to from top to bottom, but I don't think it does to hip hop what the others did. It's very much just a Kendrick album. It doesn't contribute more than that. And that's fine because I mean Atrocity uh, Exhibition, Summertime of Six, the, the Blank Face, they're not albums that contribute to the bigger picture. But they're good bodies of work like this is where I am in my life and where I, I was when the album came out it's it, it stood out it, it it highlighted a lot of being like not accepting but having that same feeling as what he's feeling you know like like we spoke about at the beginning of this conversation yeah we can relate to it yeah and I love being able to relate to something and when I listened to an album and I could see that again we change up what we're doing and we're doing it differently and we're making some different body of work and different art in our music this is why I I, I hold it high because yeah. he did it again yeah he did it again he did something amazing again and he changed it up again where as hip-hop sometimes is looked at there's no consistency it's always the same shit this is where I could prove people wrong and be like, no, this is being done differently. It's a different sound. Let's see what's next. And those are the best hip-hop albums of all time. That was the last. To recap what we spoke about today, we kicked it off with my beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, Drake's Take Care, Killer Mike's Rap Music, uh, YG, My Crazy Life. We have... Run the Jewels 2. We have Two Pimp a Butterfly. After that, we have Summertime 06. The Blank Face LP. Atrocity Exhibition by Danny Brown. And Damn by Kendrick Lamar. What is your favorite, as usual? Uh, I don't have to repeat myself. It's Damn, Kendrick Lamar. Really? Yep. Yep. Okay. I don't have to explain why I explained it for the last 15 minutes. No, it makes sense. Um, my favorite, well, I thought we did this list in order of best albums. <laughs> so I gave that away and said that the first album was my favorite, My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. And you said that the second was Drake. Yeah, and the second, no, the second would have been Pimp. But um, yeah, Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, I think really, I don't want to be that person that overdoes it with it, but it allowed for these other nine albums to be so well received and so in the public. I agree. I think. I agree. And like I was saying about Damn, you know when you had your Notorious B.I.G.'s Life After Death where it was diverse and you could you can have different sounds and different people listening to it? We spoke about different artists also in the top 100. Damn to me is like, here's your songs for these people. 
here's your songs for the people that like this style, the like the people that like this sound. It's it's diverse. It's diverse and it's put and together it's, well. And the same way as my beautiful dark twisted fantasy is a fully diverse album. Yeah. And can attract so many different listeners. So there you go. Um really guys, thanks for listening for 10 weeks. This was amazing. This was a uh, eye-opening yeah. how how much support we got over yeah. the the 10 weeks and how it's 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 just been probably one of the best things I've done in my life. It was a lot of fun. And what we've done in our lives. Another fun. thank you to uh, Fanny for logo and design, Sean for helping us out with all the web stuff. Um, Gabu for being Gabu our for special guest, in. Malenko, Malenko for uh, for his big uh, shout out to Redman. Uh, everybody who also reposted on Instagram, uh, our family members, our friends, uh, new supporters, uh, people that I met in California. Like, honestly, all the, the love and support you guys gave us was beyond amazing. It just, it's crazy, and it makes us want to continue. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to talk about what we could do next, so keep up with us on Instagram, at All Time Pod. Uh, we're going to uh, hopefully get the website up and running throughout the summer. We have some plans that we want to do on that. Uh, I want, if you guys are down, comment send us messages of things you thought should have been on the list that weren't rip us for things that you thought didn't need to be here and were yeah rip us and uh you might hear from us again in a couple of weeks we might do something bonus something special something I th- yeah just a little uh, i think you guys want to know something about us yeah i really think they want to know because uh, we did the we did the top 100 list but i don't know what your top 10 are I don't know what your top ten are either. I think I think we need to I think we need to let them know, and I think we need to let each other know what our top ten hip hop albums of all time are. Yep. You might hear from us in a couple of weeks. Yeah, be on the lookout for that. Keep up with our Instagram at All Time Pod and all the stories and posts we do. And uh, thank you so much again thank for all the support. You guys much. want stickers? You're getting stickers. Don't worry about yeah, it. Yeah, write to us if you want stickers and. Uh, my sister's ultimate goal is to get in a cop car. Really? Yeah. For real. That'd be great. If she, if you do that, I'll get arrested. <laughs> if you see a post about, we're gonna post that when it happens. Definitely. Thanks I'm for de- listening, guys. Thank you so much, guys. <laughs> <laughs>